Welcome to the Inside Out Group Podcast, where we talk about organizational leadership, systems, marketing, and more for your church or organization. Today, we want to talk on the topic of shaping the culture around you at a young age. Today, you have your hosts, Nathan Westfall and Michael Moore. Mike, how's Howdy. it going? Howdy. And we actually have a third person this week we want to welcome with us for the first time, Keenan Clark. Keenan, how you doing? All the way from Texas. Man, I am too good to be true, man. It's great down here in the South. So That's sorry great. that you're all the way up there. I know, I know. So, right, Keenan, before, before, hold we dive, on, before we dive into this. Yeah, go ahead. What's the temperature down there, just out of curiosity? Okay, actually, it's kind of overcast today, so um, I think we kind of flip-flopped. It's, it's been stupid hot, but... Um, yeah, it's hot today up here. Let me look real quick. The weather app, it tells me that it is currently 86 degrees, which is cold for here right now. Yeah, so it's, I think it's, we're at 92. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's dang. A, okay, so you got us beat. Yeah, but yesterday, we were at like 70, and it was yeah, amazing. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> So, all right, go ahead with your intro, Nathan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Keenan, before we go any further about weather, about, you know, our questions for today, can you describe or just share with us briefly about who you are, what role you play in your local church, all that stuff? Uh, for sure, yeah. So, uh, like you said, my name's Keenan Clark. I live in San Angelo, Texas, which is the wild, wild west. Um, it is flat um, beyond belief down here. There's literally zero terrain. <laughs> um, you can watch your dog run away for three days straight, and it's, it's kind of ridiculous. It makes me a little sad sometimes when I look outside. <laughs> but uh, but luckily, I do get to get out because uh, I do get to travel the, the country and preach. I'm an itinerant preacher, and I'm also the uh, young adults pastor here at Celebration Church, the church my, my family started uh, almost 10 years ago. And I also help out with the youth. I'm on our preaching and pastoral team, and uh, I just do I do a lot around here. So, yeah, that's kind of that's who I am. So— Keenan, can you uh, can you just briefly and a minute or two just kind of share the history of uh, y'all's church celebration and just kind of how you guys started, how long you've been, kind of the, I don't know, the startup of it all. Okay, yeah, for sure. So um, I grew up um, being a PK, and so my dad um, has been in the ministry for as long as I can remember. And it, he was a youth pastor when I was a kid, and then uh, he did that for eight, nine years and then transitioned into more of like the college pastor and then kind of even transitioned after that into more of an associate pastor role, was on the preaching and team and was kind of our senior pastor's right-hand man. And then uh, in 2000 and uh, toward the end of 2007, uh, my dad just really began to feel like um, God was redirecting uh, he and my mom and our family and that we were going to sell everything that we owned, we were gonna buy an RV, and we were gonna travel the US for six months to a year, just visiting churches, uh, going out, just following the Lord, and kind of catching a vision for the congregation that my dad uh, would one day lead. And he had no idea that God would ever bring him back to San Angelo. We really thought we had kissed uh, this little corner of heaven goodbye, but, um, Long story short, um, literally a year nearly to the day that we pulled out of our driveway and we uh, went on tour, as I like to call it, because it sounds so much cooler, um, <laughs> we, we started and had our first, our first Sunday as Celebration Church. We met in a little living room. I think we had about 80 people. And then the next Sunday, we had a little party room, and we had about the same 80, maybe 82 people. And uh, it's been going and blowing ever since. Uh, we ended up meeting at the convention center here in San Angelo, and then we ended up 
uh, for seven years met in a operable movie theater. Um, so it, you, you could tell service was about to end because all of a sudden the aroma of popcorn would hit you. And that meant like, <laughs> okay, it's, they're about to actually start showing movies. So our service is about to end. And uh, we even had a few people who mistakenly like walked into our theater and just sat down because they felt awkward and get saved at the end of the service because of uh, what, what the message that we were preaching. And that was a lot of fun. And then at the end of 2016, uh, God blessed us with uh, a 50,000 square foot building. It used to be a furniture store. And then uh, it's, it's become the home of Celebration Church. And we, so we've been here since 2016. And we're now running two services. Easter, we had um, we popped a thousand for the first time. Uh, today, we just uh, I think we had uh, seven fifty was what I think I heard the count was last awesome. week. Same thing, a little bit more actually. I think it was seven eighty last week. And so, uh, God's just really doing a lot of cool things, man. There's a lot of cool things happening um, here at Celebration Church, and I'm just lucky to get to be a small part in it. That's yeah. that's awesome, man. I'm I am actually headed to Dallas. I mean, in 2019 uh, for for June. I think it's in June. I'm I'm speaking at some conference, and so I'm gonna hopefully make a detour five hours or four hours west to to visit you guys. I'd I'd love to check it out and stuff. And so I've, I know Dude, I follow you, you guys on social media and stuff. So it's pretty cool. We would love to have you. We would love to have you. It'd be awesome. I'll give you a tour and get to meet my dad and our team. It'd be it'd be awesome to have you. Yeah, it would be cool. It would be cool. Sorry, Nathan, I'll let you uh, take no, over. No, keep with going. You're actual... fine. You got anything else? Yeah, you good? Uh, no, that's all for that's all for now. But we'll see how this pans <laughs> out. So go ahead. So, so Keen, with you talking about you know your background and kind of the 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 church that you participated in a little bit of the history, can you give us uh, a little background into the call, uh, about your call into ministry? Yeah, for sure. So, like I said, um, I've grown up in the ministry, and so I think honestly. Um, I, I kind of heard Andy Stanley talk about this a little bit, but had God not called me into the ministry, I would have just volunteered, okay? Because it's, it's the only life I know. Um, I don't, really don't know anything other outside of just loving on people, doing church, making church happen. Uh, and so I, 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 it's kind of just, it literally is the only life I know. Uh, but I ran for it, from it for a long time. Like it, it kind of freaked me out. Um, when I hit high, when I was a kid, I kind of had this, this little bit of a feeling that I was going to grow up to be a pastor and a preacher. And when my relatives would come over, you know, every little fireplace has that little like stage kind of right in front of it. It's just kind of like a lip. And I'd stand up there and I would, um, I'd preach to my family members that one verse I knew, John three sixteen, which is a great verse to preach. And, uh, but time, as time went on, of course, uh, different things caught my eye. I wanted to be in the NBA at one point, uh, but I'm, I'm white, so that's just not going to happen. And um, <laughs> I wanted to be a Jonas brother at one point, but last name doesn't work. And so eventually I just kind of realized that uh, God was calling me. God was calling me into the ministry. And so uh, I played guitar and people didn't die when I started singing. So I figured you know, I'll just be a, I'll be a worship leader. And I did, I led worship for our youth group. I led worship for our church periodically. I was on the team. And then I led worship for my high school all through high school. Every single Wednesday, I went to a private Christian school. So I probably yeah, have more right problems there, yeah. than you do. But um, anyway, so I led worship like that. And, uh, but I was, preaching terrified me. And uh, I just, I didn't really feel like I had anything to offer. Didn't really feel like I had anything that spectacular to say. Uh, and if I did, I didn't know how I was going to say it. Um, and so I just kind of figured I'd leave the preaching to my dad. But I remember like around 17, 18, uh, God just started putting these, these real integral people in my life, uh, people I knew, people I didn't know, who just really began to, to, 
to help me see that there was a communication gift on my life and that uh, that was something that God was calling me into. And I really can't explain it any other way than that one morning I woke up and I knew I was called to preach and I couldn't wait to preach. I had no idea what I was going to preach. I had no idea how I was going to preach it, but I couldn't wait to preach it. You know what I mean? And uh, ever since then, I just haven't, I really haven't let go of that. And uh, that's kind of, that's kind of how I, in a sense, got my call into ministry. My dad has never, ever forced ministry down my throat. He always just told me, whatever you do, you are going to give God all the glory and you're going to do it for his honor and love people doing it and and whatever it is that was going to be. And luckily, um, I'm literally following in my father's footsteps. Yes, that's a, that's a, there's a spiritual entendre there, but double entendre, (laughs) but, um, yeah, so that's kind of how I got my call into ministry. I ended up uh, moving to Dallas after I graduated high school. I went to Christ for the Nations in Dallas, mm-hmm. and then I graduated from there, and I moved back to St. Angelo, and I've been on staff here ever since, and that was around the time that the traveling door started to open up. No, that's great. Uh, it sounds like you're, you know, through your dad, uh, all that stuff, just a great encouragement to kind of get you on that right track when you started the call, so that's that's great. So, oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, even even with that, so someone you know as as young as you in the position you are, how have you been able to help shape the culture at your local church? Um, I think honestly, so when I moved back to San Angelo after graduating from Bible school, we our, our young adult ministry was non-existent, so we didn't have anything for that eighteen to thirty uh, year demographic, and so people were we were starting to notice that the, there were people serving on Sunday, but they needed more. They needed a they needed real discipleship. They needed community. And so when I came back from, from school, that was kind of my big assignment. And my dad was like, son, I want you to, I want you to pioneer a, a young adults ministry, a, a college age ministry. And uh, that was a pretty big undertaking. So we just started it in a living room. And it was literally just started as, started as a Bible study. And uh, we just kind of tracked along with where we were at on Sunday morning, like kind of just like taking the Sunday morning message and going a little bit deeper and kind of putting my spin on it. Um, and it just started beginning, it just began to grow. And so we moved from uh, that living room to a bigger living room. We packed that out. People were literally like sitting up the stairs, like looking through the rails at me. It was awesome. And then, um, we ended up realizing we were out of space. We're out of, you know, curb space for people to park their cars. Um, we're going to have to just straight up move this to the church. So we ended up having it here and now we're, uh, it's going and blowing. We've been at it for three years, but to answer your question, um, I really think, I really think, uh, and I get this from my dad, and this is by no, by no, none, this is not pounding my chest at all. But I really think when young people see other young people living out their calling, um, it's yeah. it, it's inspiring in and all of, of itself. You know, what I mean, you don't yeah. really have to say yep. much if you'll just if you'll live your life with that kind of audacity, saying, you know, what, I am 23, but I believe that God can use me to minister to a 30 year old who's just going through this ridiculous divorce. And I'm going to believe that God's going to give me the words, even though I have no experience and never been married, would love to. Hello. Praise the Lord. But um, when <laughs> I think just living ladies out there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'll let your boy throw my Instagram plug at Keena Clark underscore. Um, but <laughs> but I really do think that as a young person, if you'll just dare to believe God and just be who he's called you to be, uh, no matter who's watching, I think that alone will begin to shape and inspire, inspire people. So I think just being, I, at first I really felt unqualified, which I totally am to be a, a college pastor. Cause I was just barely 20 years old when we started. Um, mm. but I think that's been kind of, kind of the edge that, um, has really in, in the end helped us a lot is that I am so young. 
Yeah, no, that's good. So can you go a little bit more into you talking about starting in your living room and then moving to the church? Can you talk to us a little bit more about starting the young adults ministry, you know, at the church and how does that serve the overall mission and vision of your local church? Oh, for sure. So our mission statement is that we exist to help people to know God better and trust him more. And I love that. I've heard a lot of mission statements from a lot of churches and a lot of them are great. A lot of them you could basically send to print and it become a book. It's so long, but um, I love that. It's so simple. We're here. We exist to help people to know God better and trust him more. And that's kind of, that's kind of the heartbeat of our young adult ministry. And we still to this day, um, do uh we follow along with where we're at on sunday mornings like i don't cre- i'm never having to create content our, our church is our content our sermon series yeah. are our content and that helps me i never have to worry am i out of line um am i teaching something that is is something my dad would want me to teach is it in line with our heartbeat and where we are as a church in this season um it really helps me as as a leader to be very confident when i step up there um, to, to relay the word um, that, you know, I'm, I'm preaching exactly what God has for our group in, yeah. in this season. And so, um, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty nerve wracking, to be honest with you. Like every single week, like before we start, I always, to this day, we've been doing it for three years and I still go off by myself and I have a little pep talk with myself. I, I have this like kind of like in a sense a ritual, some things mm-hmm. I say, I do it before I go preach anywhere as well. But uh, just to kind of get in that headspace, because I'm not going to lie to you, it's still every single week is a daunting task to get out there in front of your peers and to give them the truth. And sometimes the truth is confronting, um, but it's always loving. And uh, not a lot of people like to be confronted, but they need it. They need to be challenged. They need to grow. And uh, but man, it's been it's been so amazing. But yeah, I'd say that just just making sure everything you're doing always falls back in line with the overall vision. Like I am I am not like my. I'm not a little subculture. I am a part of the culture. You know what I mean? I'm a part of the overall culture of our church. I'm not this little bubble. I'm not going rogue. I, I, at the end of the day, who, what I, who I want to be happy is the Lord and my pastor. If the young adults aren't getting yeah. anything out of it, I'm like, sorry, this is the series. This is where we're at. This is what God wants. If you don't like it, I'm so sorry. There's plenty of churches. We live in the Bible Belt. Um, in which I, I care a lot more than that, but I, I kind of have to, I'm a little bit of a people pleaser. So I kind of have to menta- have to have that mentality because at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I'm honoring my pastor. I want to make sure that I'm honoring, uh, our staff and our elders and, uh, always staying in line with, with what God's doing yeah. w- with our church as a whole. Yeah. Let me, uh, I want to dive into two, two things that you said is one, you were talking about that you guys started out essentially as a small group, uh, studying what you guys talked about on on Sunday and then the second and in case I forget is is going to end up being uh you guys serving the overall mission and vision and so the podcast actually that's going to be airing right after you guys is talking about or right after this interview is talking about the importance of community groups and stuff and so what is the church's philosophy as far as because there's there's several different multi there's multi um uh, multiple different uh, scenarios of like you, you could do topical based small groups, you can do sermon based small groups, you can do books of the Bible. What was yeah. the church's reasoning for deciding that you're going to take the Sunday sermon and all the groups in the church are specifically studying the Sunday sermon? Can you dive into that a little bit? Oh yeah, for sure. I think ultimately it started off as so that people wouldn't have an excuse not to start a small group. Um, because even like for your everyday average ordinary 
a church, uh, church attender, um, starting a small group and leading even a few people, uh, is a f- extremely daunting task. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Just having, yeah. you know, yeah. a set time where people are going to show up and they're going to expect you to tell them something and it needs to be encouraging. They're going through it. You know, the, the devil's been on their tail, um, and they need, they need something. And, uh, that can be a pretty daunting task. And so a lot of people are like, I don't really have a specific thing I'm passionate about. Like, we, we do, and I want, I want to make this clear, like we do have groups um, that, that tailor to like topics and stuff like that. Like we've had like a divorce care small group and we've had like a women's, like uh, I think it was called Why Her or something like that, um, small group. And we've got marriage small groups that kind of center around those things. Like we do have topical ones, but at the end of the day, we always provide um, small group based uh, sermon notes. Um, with questions and all sorts of all sorts of stuff like that, because we don't want it. We don't want anyone to make the excuse like, "Oh, I don't." Somebody's already got that that idea covered. You know what I mean? Like somebody's already got that right, right. that um, you know the, the the divorce care small group or the marriage small group or the singles group or whatever it may be. We just want people getting together, having a meal, and talking the Bible. And if that means that they dive into what we're talking about on Sunday morning, then so be it. And so I think it just kind of eliminates excuses to not be uh, getting together and having a small group. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely good. And I, I know a lot of churches that end up following that model. Um, actually, my, my old church down in Texas, Praise, they they follow that model as well for the most part. And then they have a few track classes, very similar, where, where marriage and divorce and, and personal care and stuff. So another thing that you said, which I think a lot of churches that we that listen to this podcast actually deal with is... Uh, they have different ministries with with uh, different visions, and it ends up pulling the resources, the staffing, the funding, everything away from the overall vision. So one of the things that you said is that you guys make sure that you are complementary to uh, the overall vision of the church that you're supporting. And I, I love how you said it. I want to make sure that my uh, that that our our God that Jesus is is happy with what I'm doing, and that my pastor is happy with what I'm doing. Um, yeah. As a young leader. And I think that there's many people that listen to this that are younger leaders. It's easy to go rogue. Why did you make that call? And what does that look like? Uh, or more specifically, I guess, like what does that look like in the church context as far as kids, youth, uh, so forth and so forth, uh, staying in the overall mission and vision of the church? Um, to be honest with you, I think I don't know that there's one given thing that is the glue that's keeping it all together. If And I don't mean to sound like I am, I'm like worshiping my dad, but I, I, I'm a huge fan. He is my all time hero in my, in my eyes. And, uh, but I honestly think my dad is just so good at casting a vision and not only just casting a vision and saying, get it done, but having an, a, a unique relationship with all of our leaders to where they absolutely even if they don't 100% get the vision, they get Pastor Brandon and they don't want to ever do anything. Right. Right. And, and it's not like this thing of, of where we're building a church around a personality whatsoever. My dad is just so good at being relational and, and, and kind of explaining his heart for why we do things the way we do it and why our focus is where it's at and why what matters to us matters and stuff like that. And I honestly, it's just kind of contagious, to be honest with you. And I think that's something that only the spirit of God can really breathe. Like, I wish I could give you like a more mechanical and uh, tactile way to, you know, go about that other than, you know, making it super spiritual. Uh, 
but it real I really do believe that it really falls back on on him. And I think to any of our to anybody who may be listening, um, who is kind of at the helm, um, I know uh, because I've served someone who is at the helm that it like what is at the helm trickles down. And um, if you're not relational and you're not at least spending time with those core leaders, like really pouring into them, telling them how grateful you are to them, it gets so easy to slowly but surely lose disrespect. And when disrespect, when, when respect is lost, that, that's when you begin to go rogue because you begin to mm-hmm. put your ideas above theirs. You begin to put your ministry above uh, everything else. But when you realize that you were just one little cog in this ginormous machine um, and that w- Yes, it's so needed. Like your piece is needed, but ultimately, you this you know you are not the center of this solar system. Um, I really think that's when that begins to be put in place. But I really don't think people get that outside of being out of outside of really feeling truly loved and respected and needed. And so yes. that's yeah, one so thing that my dad is just insanely good at. It, it, yeah. It's kind of weird. Yes, there's, there's, so for all of our listeners, there's, there's a few things that, that I hear him saying is one is from a senior leadership position is that you have to be grateful for the people that are serving around you and your leaders. Yeah. And then the other thing is for people that are not in senior leadership that are listening to this, uh, and this is something that we've talked about on a previous episode, is that one degree, two degree of separation. Oh, I agree with everything in the mission or everything in the vision except for this one little thing. Over the course of time, that's going to end up pulling the ministry and pulling the church apart because uh, one degree from here to the moon is a huge difference from one degree from from where I'm standing from me to my fireplace, you know, and and it's one of those things that if if we do not all agree and if we do not all align on the mission and the vision of the local church that is that is more times than not set by the elders and the pastors, uh, then it will end up causing division and separation. And honestly, from what I've seen, that's a lot of that is probably the biggest issue that I see in local churches is that there is not a unified vision. There's not a unified mission core values. Uh, and then there is not uh, someone who is the spokesperson, usually the pastor that is championing the, the vision of the churches as well. And so, I th- man, I think everything that you said right there is absolutely, absolutely gold. Thanks, man. Yeah. It, it, it really, it's paid off dividends in my own personal life as a leader, like just watching him do his thing. And you would think that me being his son, it is a little bit easier for him to yank my chain and just kind of be straight up with me. But uh, he is, it, it's just, it's just insane how relational he is and just uh, forgiving. And it, it's, it's just, it's inspiring to me. So I think yeah, that's yeah, kind of where a lot of it trickles down from. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Um, so to change a little bit, I know you talked about this uh, while you're giving your intro there, but uh, so you travel to other churches. Uh, what are some of the biggest challenges you see in other ministries uh, and pastors and what they're facing? Oh, that's a great question. That's a phenomenal question. And I think the overarching thing, I think it's just staying encouraged. Like as simple yeah. as that sounds, it is an epidemic uh, amongst uh, leaders and especially senior leaders, because that's who I, um, a lot of youth pastors do bring me in, but you'd be surprised. Like I've been, I've been brought in to do a lot of like even main, main service stuff and, uh, just staying encouraged because leadership is lonely. I mean, there's a reason that leadership starts with an L. Sometimes the leader is taking a lot of the L's and those things pile, things pile up, man. And so I think one of the yeah. biggest challenges uh, for leaders and, and ultimately the church goes where the leader goes. And so if I'm talking about the leader, I'm talking about the church is, mm. is just staying encouraged. I mean, over the, uh, this, just a week ago today, 
um, and I'm sure you guys heard about it, um, Pastor Andrew, who is off in yeah. California, who was off in California, in uh, Chino, California, he took his life. He's 30-something years old, got three beautiful uh, young boys, a beautiful wife, uh, a, a phenomenal, amazing, vibrant church, and has been de- ba- battling depression and anxiety and, and took his life. And that has been something that for the last seven days has been rocking me to my core. And I yeah. really do think, um, man, everybody expects us to be professional Christians. You know what I mean? Everybody expects yeah. us to have it all together. And I think the biggest problem is just people feeling like they are absolutely alone. And I don't think social yeah. media is helping us. As much as I love social media, like so much of my life happens because of social media. Um, social media, it, it's, not, it's not really helping that particular issue. Yeah. All of us, every single day, we're seeing what this person's doing. We're looking at this highlight reel or that highlight reel. And we're co- constantly comparing it to our behind the scenes. And before we know it, we're just so dissatisfied with our life and our ministry and our church. And we begin to take it out on our church if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, can, that's true. Go ahead. Can, can you can you dive into that a little bit as far as like, because, all right, so for everyone that doesn't follow Keenan, which uh, Nathan is going to give his, his tag and stuff at the end. But Keenan is a uh, he's Insta famous, I guess. Is I'm I'm saying that with quotations because I don't know what else to call it, right? You're and so awesome. I'll say this: we brought Keenan up here. Uh, I actually saw a clip of him preaching at CFNI, and I felt led to bring him up here to come speak. And he's been at our church twice now. And we've developed a relationship and and stuff. But I remember we were in Times Square. And, and literally some guy was like, Keenan Clark, oh my gosh, can I take a picture with you? And you were like, I don't know who that guy is. Um, hopefully he isn't <laughs> listening to this podcast. Cause, sorry, dude. Love you, man, if you are. Yeah, yeah, you're a great guy. Um, but can, can you talk just briefly about the, the pros of social media, but also the cons of social media? Because I know that you've lived on both, both sides of that a little bit. Oh, for sure. Um, there's a lot of pros, like, and I tell people all the time, like social media, like as far as like ministry and relationships has been nothing but amazing for me, but I've had to have a lot of like real boundaries, so to speak. And that doesn't mean like, if you don't have this many followers, I won't message you back or, or anything like that. But just even in my own, um, soul, like my mind, my will, my emotions, um, I'm having, I have to have a lot of boundaries and I, I, I hate to say it, but I'm not always the best at keeping those boundaries. I'm not, I'm not even like, sometimes it's hard to be the quarterback and the coach. Like you're, you're trying to right, play right. and you're trying to do the part, but also like know when to like tap yourself out and sit yourself on the bench. You know what I mean? To be like, yo, you need to take a break. Um, and so I, I think there are definitely a tons of pros, tons of cons. Like I talked about the comparison game is so easy to slip into. Um, and then it becomes, it becomes insanely easy to just kind of like, try to but slowly but surely uh, build up kind of maybe it's partially authentic and partially a facade but eventually uh, you know it just begins to kind of take over your life and you have this image that you feel if it's compromised then there's no way you're ever going to be able to put all the dominoes that fall over back up and if one person you know, just you just begin to think like all there's all these ramifications to everything that you're doing and if, if somebody like I, I'm one of the things I have to think about is I try to never post anything with a drink in my hand, like even a like even just a coffee cup, like taking a picture. Now, if I'm drinking coffee, I'll I'll take a picture of my coffee and say something about coffee and where it's like an overt coffee picture. 
but I really try because you just never know. Like, and I know that for some people, drinking is just not even a thing, but some people take it super seriously and you're not even, you're not able to, you know, cross all those T's and dot all those I's for everybody. And I don't want um, what God's doing in my life and what God's doing in other people's lives to be tripped up by somebody else's uh, just kind of looking at something and formulating an opinion. So you are, especially when you're in the light and you have a following or whatever, uh, you are kind of, of subject to a lot of scrutiny. And obviously there are so many more people who deal with it on a much larger level than I, but it's been nothing but amazing for me. Like God's really used it, but at the same time, like it's a double-edged sword and it can really, it can be your best friend in moments and it can be your worst enemy in others. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I know for me is, uh, talking about like the having drinks in your hand is and that's something that i'm extremely protective about as well uh but i i was at a restaurant with some people and there was someone had a beer on the table and i ended up taking a picture of my food and i got like three or four messages about are you drinking a beer right now and you call yourself and i was just like are you serious you know but also at the same time i i understand that and so ever since that moment for me i've been extremely conscious about like I don't want to post this part of my life and I want to keep this protective and private and stuff. And, you know, even, and I'll post stuff about, and I've got a 10th, literally a 10th of, of the followers that you do, but it's, it's still, it's like, I want to be extremely protective uh, about what's personal to me. Um, but then also at the same time, I want to post stuff that's encouraging and authentic at the same time. And it is, it, I know for me, it's a challenge. Uh, and then also trying to keep up with the DMS. Like, I don't, I don't know how you do it. You know, I also have a wife and two kids. So, I don't know. There's a lot that gets <laughs> left alone. There is a lot, especially like if, uh, you know, I am a single guy in the ministry, so I, a lot of the ladies don't get don't get replies. I'm sorry, but it just yeah. doesn't happen. Much much love to you. Glad that you follow, but no, I, I get that. And praying from that afar to, to a degree. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, that's good. So, you know, several of our listeners uh, are just starting out or in you know young in ministry. Uh, what advice, Keen, would you give them in regards to leadership and, and culture? Ah, oh, goodness. I think that's that's a really good question. Um, I'm all about I'm all about being relevant and I'm all about um if, if you're speaking as far as like church culture, um, I think that kind of comes naturally. Um, but as far as like remaining in tune with culture as a whole, um, especially our Western culture, um, it can be a slippery a slippery slope. I find myself, yeah. you know, wanting to listen to, you know, certain songs that I, you know, just to stay, you know, even like I get a lot of sermon content even from, from songs. Like I don't mind, I'll use a Kendrick line every once in a while, you know, not something that has any profanity in it, but you know, something that's applicable or something Drake Preach. said, you know, everybody's all over the God's plan thing right now, uh, which is brilliant. Yeah. We need to be using that sort of stuff. It's connecting with, with kids and even adults. But um, I really think as far as like um, just I, I would say at the end of the day, um, we're not called to be hype beasts. We're not called to even be insta-famous. We're not called to be the most liked. We're called to be the most loving and yeah. And, yeah. and to really lead away. And sometimes in order to lead the way, you got to go the opposite way. And I, I really think that's why the Bible says that Jesus uh, became the least and now he is he, he's the, the greatest. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. if someone's at the back of a line, they're at the back of the line, but all of a sudden the line shifts and goes the opposite way. The person who was at the back of the line is now at the front of the line. And Jesus came at the back end of culture and said, hey, everybody, come follow me this way. And so now the one who was at the back is now at the front. And I think a lot of the time 
um, we've got to be willing to take that back seat so that we can have the front seat when it comes to the things that really matter. Yeah, no, that's good. That's really good. Um, so T, speaking long-term here, so where do you see the future now of church and ministry uh, going in today's ever-changing culture around us? Yeah, that's a phenomenal question. Um, and I'm, you know, I, there's a lot of people commenting on some of this stuff right now, like um, as far as like where they see the church going. And there's a lot of doom and gloom um, yeah. being spewed. Uh, but last I checked, Jesus said that he was going to build his church and not even the gates of hell would be able to prevail against it. Like Jesus, we have to remember, Jesus is the one building this thing. Like our ministry yeah. plans, our programs, our yep. sermon series, they help facilitate what Jesus is doing. But at the end of the day, Jesus is doing his thing and we've got to be a part of his thing, not try to get him to be a part of our thing. And yeah. so I really do. I think the church's brightest days are ahead of her, man. I really do. I think that... Um, you know, where sin abounds, grace super abounds. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, are there a lot of things that are messed up uh, inside the church that I see today? Or are there a lot of things in church culture that I don't think really uh, jive with the personality and the character of Christ? Um, yes. But at the end of the day, God has chosen to use broken, jacked up, hurting people just like me and you to do something absolutely perfect and to do something transcendent. And, yeah. uh, you know, God, 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 won't do it without us, but we can't do it without him. And I just think it's so beautiful that God in his, in his sovereignty chooses to allow us to partake in this thing. So I truly, I truly believe, um, that the best days are ahead. I I, I really do. There's a lot of doom and gloom out there, but I'm not one of those naysayers. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this. And so you were talking about like, uh, doom and gloom and stuff. And, and, and I don't want to hone on this because you're a young pastor, you're a young itinerant minister, uh, you have you have a decent amount of following and fame and stuff. Um, just just this past weekend, I ended up watching uh, Aretha Franklin's funeral, and the bishop of the church ended up groping another woman. And forgive me, I don't remember her name. I know it's a celebrity and stuff like that. How how do you handle uh, for all the young pastors listening, and even man, let's just say it, even the pastors in general? How do you handle? the separation between yourself and women, especially in the, the Me Too movement and nothing against the Me Too movement. I want to make it very clear those women have a voice and it needs to be heard. But with all the speculation that's going around and protecting yourself when you travel, when you minister, whenever you do young adults ministry, et cetera, et cetera, how do you handle yourself around that? It's such a good question. Um, it's I've always tried to have um, really uh, strict boundaries um, I never, ever, ever meet in a completely closed off space with the opposite sex. Um, I always meet where we can be seen. We have an amazing little cafe spot um, at our church. And uh, a lot of the times if somebody really is in like a dire place and they're in a desperate place and they just need to talk to me, um, obviously women, of course, um, I just ask them to meet me here during office hours and so our office is full. People are walking all to and fro. Our building is still under a lot of construction in some areas. Like we're still doing stuff to it. And so people are constantly walking around. We'll just meet at one of those tables and it's private enough. Um, but man, uh, within the last year, and he's always been a hero of mine, like as he is to everyone. But God has, has really just done a lot in me as far as just my character and, and, and just the vision for my life uh, with the life of Billy Graham. And I, I don't really know, I've never heard of anybody 
walking in a, a more integrous way um, with Billy Graham. He had absolute fame and acclaim. Women, I don't know if you've heard of this, but like a lot of the time um, when he would go to a specific city, um, he would go check into his, in, into his hotel room and paparazzi would hide in the closet with a naked woman so that they could try to get a picture of Billy Graham with a naked woman in a hotel wow. room. And so in, because that was happening, in order to do that, he would always send people ahead of him into the room and then he would never, ever, ever travel alone. And that's one of the things I really try to do is I just try to never travel alone. Um, and I, I'm, a, I'm a human being, I'm 23 years old. I'm, I'm a guy, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just like everybody else. I'm, I'm not a you know, superhuman or anything like that. And so I just try not to trust myself. You know what I mean? I just try, um, I, 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 would, I don't ever see myself doing something stupid and I've got too much to lose in my opinion. Um, and everyone has too much to lose. Every man out yeah, there, whether yeah. you're just starting off in ministry or you have 20 years under your belt, you have too much to lose, my friend, for, for something as, as trivial and as stupid as that. Um, but that's one of the things I just try not to trust myself and I create real boundaries. One of the things I heard from Craig Rochelle is he doesn't have a pornography problem, but, uh, he has, uh, things set in place where if he was to ever look at a pornographic website, it would immediately send emails to his board who has the authority to fire him on the spot. He doesn't even have a problem with it. Hasn't had a, had a, had a problem with it and maybe ever or in a long time, but he has those boundaries in place because he's just got too much to lose and what God's doing in his life is too amazing and his family's too important to him. And I think, I think really just getting ahead of yourself and realizing your own humanity and realizing um, you know, you're, you're faulty. You could in one moment make a decision that could affect the rest of your life that in, yeah. a, in a normal moment you would never foresee yourself making. So I think just getting ahead of yourself, thinking long-term, what are some things I can put in place that are going to help me to not even, not just go over the edge, but ever even come close to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's good. I really appreciate you you diving into the way you did. It's a good answer to the question and uh, just answering how you, how you would handle it. I think that's great. Uh, with that, do you have any uh, other final thoughts or advice uh, uh, based off anything we talked about? Um, man, I, my, my biggest, I don't know if it's even advice, but um, I, don't, I don't know if I'm even qualified to give advice, but I am qualified to encourage. And one of the biggest things I would give to anyone listening um, especially if you are a leader in any capacity, maybe you're not even a ministry leader, but you're a, you're, you're a leader in, in your local workplace, your nine to five job, wherever you're at, uh, you obviously have a passion for ministry or else you wouldn't even be listening to this podcast. And I just want you to know you are doing so much better than you think. God is at doing so much more inside of you and through you than you're even aware of just because people don't come up at the end of your message and, and, and talk your ear off about how much you were just right up in their grill, stepping on their toes, talking to them and encouraging them. Um, man, you, you are really changing lives. And that's one of the things I always tell myself. Um, whether or not I can see the hands up lifted up at the end of a message for the salvation call or not, I just choose to believe that when I start preaching the gospel, people are getting saved. I tell myself yeah. that. I, people are getting saved because it's not your hand going up at the end of a message that saves you. It's your faith in the, in the grace of God yeah. um, that saves you. So you can get saved without ever raising your hand. I, I, I do believe that. 
Yeah, um, if, yeah. if you have a problem with that, you can email me at Keenan Clark at I don't give a rip dot com. But I truly, I truly <laughs> do. I truly do believe that. And so, man, you are doing so much better than you think. God's not even done with you. And do not judge your life based on a chapter of this book. Man, keep turning the page. Keep moving forward. Keep plugging forward. God has uh, so much more for you, so much more for your community, so much more for your city, so much more for your family. And uh, the, the brightest days are ahead of you, man. So I don't know who needed that, but if nobody needs it, I needed to remind myself. So there we go. That's great. Yeah. Kenny, I have one more question for you. And then I'll, uh, yeah. So uh, who, who has been your biggest inspiration in ministry outside of your father? Because we know that it's Brandon Clark. Um, but who's been your biggest inspiration as far as leadership, preaching style, uh, ministry as, as a whole, as a young leader? It's a great question. Um, most, if, if you look at a lot of clips and stuff like that, most people would believe it's Judah Smith. Um, but uh, I love Pastor Judah. He's amazing. Um, and so, yeah, Judah has definitely been a big inspiration. He was one of the people that God really used when I was in high school to uh, really help me to see the grace of God in a different way and even uh, an approach of, to preaching in a different way. Because uh, I I don't think I'd ever really heard a communicator that I was like I could see myself doing that like I see a, I see some of me and you and uh, God kind of did that uh, for me in, in guys like Judah and Rich Wilkerson Jr. and Chad Veach you know everybody uh, that uh, we all fanboy over but um, um, but I honestly have to say my my all time besides my father my all time greatest uh, my all time greatest hero is Billy Graham. And uh, he is someone that I've studied um, at end at nauseum. I've read nearly everything I can get my hands on, watched so many interviews. And uh, it's just insane the kind of, not just pastorate, or, or, he did do a little bit, he had a pastorate for a little bit, but not just the preacher and communicator in the crowds, obviously that's amazing. But the man that he was, the integrity that he chose uh, to walk in and not just for a season of his life, but literally decade after decade after decade after decade, uh, just absolute humility. And, uh, yeah, so I'd have to say, I'd have to say Billy Graham for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, uh, on, on behalf of us, I just want to say thank you for the interview Yeah, and, um, and your time and stuff. And so I'll turn it over to Nate right now. And, thank you uh, for having me, man. You. This has been love such you, an honor. I love you guys. Miss you. Yeah, 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 it was great talking to you again. Uh, before we go any further, can you uh, just, where can people find you on the internet? Okay, yeah, so uh, on all platforms like Twitter and Instagram, my handle is just Keenan Clark with an underscore at the end. So Keenan Clark underscore. I'm on Facebook. I got a Facebook page. And then if you want to just find all of that and have access to all of it, uh, you can check out my website, and that's just KeenanClark.org, www.KeenanClark.org. Yeah, that's good. All that too will also be in the show notes. If you guys scroll down, there'll be a link to his website and his uh, bio on our website. Uh, we want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you liked it, please subscribe. Uh, let people know about it. You can find more information at insideoutgroup.org and we'll see you all next week. Hey guys, we just want to remind you about the night of worship that is happening October 12th at 7 p.m. at the Washington Armory in downtown Albany, New York. We want to invite you, your team, and your church to come be a part of a historical night of worship where we're going to be lifting up the name of Jesus. On top of that, we want to honor pastors and worship leaders and give back to our community. 
For more information on this free free night of worship, please visit us at insideoutgroup.org forward slash Mac. That's insideoutgroup.org forward slash M-A-C-K. We look forward to seeing you there.